Hello, Cyclocross friends, and thanks for tuning in to episode 311 of Cyclocross Radio, our very own beautiful disaster. On this show, we we had a lot to talk about. We we had to talk about uh, the, the the race that happened in Neil on sat last Saturday. Then we had the the race to talk about in Dendermonde, the World Cup on Sunday. We had to talk about the UCI threatening to uh, suspend people for the World Championships if they didn't race uh, all the World Cup races. That was a crazy moment that's still going on. So much to talk about. So much to talk about that during our discussion of Neil, we, we didn't even talk about Lars Vanderhaar dislocating his shoulder and putting it back in, in into place using his bike as leverage which led to to borrow a phrase from the press box the most overworked joke on Twitter comparing this to Martin Riggs uh, Mel Gibson's character in, in the original Lethal Weapon now of course I would have compared it to the Houdini movie with Tony Curtis in 1953 which I think was the inspiration for Lethal Weapon, or even more recently than that, Godzilla vs. Kong, which took the inspiration from both of those. I mean, King Kong, like popping his shoulder back into place using a building. That That's, I don't know where else you go to that. Hey, Lars Vanderhaar, like the, the King Kong of Cyclocross, I guess. Anyway. The benefit of me doing the intros instead of uh, Michael and, and Zach is I get to come back and do my little bit about that, and th- they'll just have to do theirs next week. This show is brought to you by Hammerhead and the Karoo 2. You 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 know I've, I've, I've told you about this many times, and, and here's what I'm going to tell you this time. If you're looking at to get a Karoo 2, if you're looking to upgrade your cycling computer, and this is a a great choice. Uh, It's the one I use, I love it. I love all the constant updates. I love the easy to use interface. I love the mapping tools and and the uh, workout tools and uh, the quick update uh, uh, downloads once you get home. I love all of that. If you go to their site, right now they have this deal where you can get a Karoo 2 and then if you also get a heart rate monitor they will give you 50% off of that heart rate monitor that's a pretty sweet deal that's worth it right there I'm going to double that deal for you if you go to that site hammerhead.io you put the Karoo 2 into your shopping cart and then you add the heart rate monitor into your shopping cart and then you can say i know something that most of the public doesn't know i can get that other 50 percent off of that heart rate monitor too i can get that heart rate monitor for free just by using the code cx radio right in the coupon code box there at checkout put in cx radio after you put your hammerhead Karoo 2 and your heart rate monitor into the basket and check out and that heart rate monitor is going to be free you're using the code CX radio and that's it easy peasy 
What else can I tell you that I tell you all the time? And hopefully you're not fast forwarding through this. I can tell you I still have a lot of shirts left and I would love for you to get one. And if I send it out to you now, you can gift all of your friends a real cycle across weather t-shirt or a Vanderpool Rules t-shirt or a Wout Me Worry t-shirt Vanderpool and wow it'll be just in time for Christmas just in time for them to come back to cyclocross limited schedules for those guys and you, and you have to pick a side or you don't you can get a shirt for each of each of them and wear one on Saturday one or on or the other on Sunday wear them both together it's getting cold in every event go go to cxairsdistro.com and uh, pick up some shirts get some for your friends and thank you this is episode 311, 311 of Cyclocross Radio. We've got Michael and Zach and myself in the media pit. We're talking about Dendermonda and Neil and I guess the UCI. And we're doing all of that right now. We are back. In the media pit, like really back, like back quickly in the media pit. We had a late record last week, early record this week. This this may be the freshest that we have come off of races, like just watching them and then talking about them afterwards, which may, maybe that's the way you're supposed to do it, Zach, or maybe, or, or, or are we right in that we let these things kind of marinate for a day or two? Well, I will say, I feel like probably the ones that were the freshest were the car after Worlds and Bowensa. And yeah. then when you and I recorded in the barn. Well, Michael, did you record in the barn with us at Jingle Cross he, he one did. year? Yeah. I so did. we did have a couple of live editions. Well, I did the next day, okay. though. So um, I've always wanted to do a post-race immediate record, but, you know. You guys have clients, and you know it's you can't. Uh, you get I think we did too after uh, Pan Am's in two thousand eight. Bill, I think you, me, and Bruce at like midnight we recorded a podcast, uh, but relatively fresh. I like to let things simmer, so I think this will be kind of interesting uh, to see what the immediate takes are. We haven't really soaked in what people are saying. We haven't seen the meme accounts uh, and stuff like that. So I'm curious to see kind of like how this goes. It's 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 kind of raw and uncut, un- unfiltered. Just like my kombucha. So what seven things did you do today, Michael? Uh, seven things. Let's see. Uh, I just rode my bike. That was it, really. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, I feel bad because usually like the thing about recording on Sundays, usually on like Monday or Tuesday, I, I kind of go back and rewatch some of the, the races again. I actually just like didn't. I watched them before I went for a bike ride both days. So I feel less prepared than if we would record it on like a Thursday. So... But whatever. I've got some jokes, so I'm ready to go. All right. Zach and I both had like kind of like a weekend off, so we went to cyclocross races. That's that's what we did. I did. You know what? I Yeah, so I made my annual pilgrimage up to Wisconsin for the Camrock race and friends of the show and friends of stuff what we do. So got to go up. I have to say, though, like I've realized that I've made it or perhaps I realized it, I don't know if you guys feel when like things that you get really into on the show, because I think there's a certain level of like a podcast character you have. And when people are just like talking about these things to you and you're like, I guess I am really adamant about this on the show. So I have realized that I have like three things, right? Three things from course design that I'm really passionate about. So 
one person was kind enough to bring it to my attention that the porta potties <laughs> were close to being in the background shot, but they were not. And I, I informed Nick and Kyle, my buddies who put on this race, I felt they really missed an opportunity to troll me by putting them direct. There was a, like a tent behind the the finish, and I I was kind of disappointed that they didn't troll me by putting in porta potties behind the finish line because that's become my thing but then someone also brought up to me like talking about my hatred of pinch points early in laps and so they talked about how they rightfully so developed this course to tape it wide open and have a nice open start where you can move up and so i'm glad that i was able to contribute to making this a better race because there was definitely a year where they used to do a total pinch point where it was like funneled the entire start into a 180 turn onto like a grass path that's like four feet wide not good so i'm glad that i and also uh this race used to do pinwheels at once upon a time (laughs) and i shamed them out of that so i hope that everyone racing at camrock this past weekend had a great experience and i feel like a lot of that is thanks to me and my complaining so go zach schuster zach schuster really make make leaving his mark on wisconsin cross with his complaining i love it (laughs) Really nagging them. I have a question for you, Zach. Okay. Would you be able to cover the Toy Toy Cup, or would it be like that Star Trek episode where it's like the unanswerable question? What happens in the Toy Toy Cup? Well, they are a porta potty sponsor. Uh, well, I of just, a whole cyclocross series. <laughs> uh, are the X two O X two O is not a porta potty though. No, right? they're just are, that's bathroom, a bathroom like bathroom remodeling stuff. Well, yeah. do they put the porta potties behind the finish? I, I don't know, but it's kind of like it's there. They wouldn't be offended if they were in this shot because you're always like get your sponsors to do something. Okay, so that would that would be it. But here's the thing: when the entire course is lined with porta potties, they sort of become you don't really see them anymore. Like, on, like that's those attractive. are the barriers. Like, like Russell Finster, like Russell Finsterwald is never going to that race. You don't know this. I don't it, I, uh, that. Short track nationals two years ago, there was a porta potty on the course, and they were the leaders were coming through short track like burning laps coming through and somebody came out of the porta potty right in front oh, of yes. No, see, at the Toy Toy Cup, they know to turn them. Oh, they're professionals. Not, not I mean, it's their job. <laughs> to answer yeah. your question is, if that's what the sponsors want, then by all means, I will put those porta potties in the back. We can frame it really nice. Uh, but I just, I, I'm not convinced that that's what some of the uh, domestic races really want. I don't know that their sponsors were the local Portageon companies. Okay. All right. <laughs> I'm going to reach out to, reach out to Bobby's potties. See about DCCX. Okay. Uh, <laughs> let's, um, we have, what do we have? We got Dendramana to talk about. We got, uh, um, boy. Neil, we got, we got Neil. to talk about Neil, Home Depot, Neil Home Depot Cross. In the swamps of sadness. And, and then we uh, have to talk about the uh, Iron Fist of the UCI. I think that would be the... Uh... Well, there was some race. We had NoHo, uh, you know, talking to Adam Meyerson, part of the spiritual national calendar, which, Bill, reminded me of when we had the gravel calendar on Grodio for that hot second. Uh, and also sp- Single Speed Worlds were today and i was trying to find results right. uh, it sounds like maybe tobin won but that's all i've heard because it's single speed worlds and do you think that there's a results page no it's probably written 
on the back of a napkin somewhere that's already potentially lost. Or the front of a napkin. Fair. Uh, okay. <laughs> it's, um, oh, should we just start with Home Depot cross? Yeah, it happened on Saturday. That sounds like okay. a good way to do it. Uh, it's raining in Europe a lot. And that kind of was the, the, the theme of this weekend. Although I don't know that it was necessarily raining during these races, right? It seemed like it was pretty, it was pretty nice and like sunny, it, yeah. but there was a lot of previous rain there. So we were dealing, we were dealing with some muddy conditions on a pretty much a, a revamped Neil course. Although I feel like every year this is a revamped course. Right, I mean, they 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 change a lot of stuff. Other than the maze through the parking lot with the pallets, it seems like we're doing different stuff. Was that that used to be bigger? The walls like used to be more higher. Of the race, I know that. Yeah, I Martin like Bino. I, I tell the story. I, I have not been able to track down the video, so this just may be my Mandela effect. But I swear to God that Martin Bino once got stuck in there. Like he he was trying to quit the race and he couldn't get out. And he started like scrambling over the the pallet wall and like threw his bike over. It was like he was escaping prison. So I feel like I mean part of the the story. I one I mentioned uh, I, I texted you guys this last week. I was talking about Euros being like a favorite of the uh, the cyclocross sickos committee, and, and this course just was uh, the conditions and you know some of the aspects of this course were just top notch. I, I love the mud bog at the bottom of the super steep descent, which I think we've seen in the past. Uh, but they moved. The Lawrence Sweck Memorial Sandpit. I, I think that was kind of the big, one of the big changes, uh, you know, where Lawrence Sweck has won, I think, twice uh, at this race by attacking. But also because it was wet, it was largely irrelevant. Like the sandpit yeah. was largely irrelevant. And it just definitely changed that aspect of it. I mean, we, our guy Lawrence isn't racing super great right now, but um, different to see it in the middle. And also like, eh, that everyone's riding it like there's nothing special about this because it's wet well and it, it was set up if it's not wet it's set up to be a real factor like a Sweckian factor because it's set up for you can't carry any momentum into it it's like on the other side of a 180 so you have to like come out of that turn and be able to just turn on the power jets right away and go if it's deep sand but this way yeah even even when it 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 there was more loose sand when you got a quarter of the way in you were able to ramp up because the beginning was so packed down that there was like there was like a runway through the first first quarter of it and they could just carry your momentum from there so yeah definitely definitely was not the factor that it was before although we did have different factors like the the uh uh, pay for three meters, of course, but only able to use six inches of it for a lot of the 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 course, you know, including like the top of these berms where you just had this little little area that you had to single track across, which was pretty exciting. So we saw people sliding down that area, and then Michael, we got our first real look at rundowns. We've all heard of run ups. 
Yeah. But, but this race featured a couple big rundowns. You texted me that and it took me a moment to, to figure out why I was like, run rundowns. I'm like, oh yeah, the, the big steep wall that in the beginning of the race, Ellie and them, they're running down because I guess there was so muddy at the bottom. Uh, Sweek was riding that though. But yeah, it's just, it was like texting you guys like, what the hell am I watching? These These conditions are absolute shit. And I think I made a joke earlier. You guys both missed it. But, uh, you know, just you're watching these riders ride along and all of a sudden they like sink into these like massive holes. And I I kept thinking of the never ending story and the swamps of sadness and how like one of those riders was going to lose their bike and they were going to be like trying to tug it out of this like incredible sinkhole. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Like this, this kind of racing that makes it makes all the riders seem so amateurish like you just like that hump section Talk about the moguls is the mo the you know you know what that reminds me of it reminds me of the butts from sir mix a lot's like baby got back where there's like this massive they're so big that they're kind of like out of context they could be like hills but they really are butts that's exactly what i think of when i see the the moguls at neil and i i they it's kind of a clown it's kind of a clown feature. It's kind of a, I've, I don't know. I may have featured those. I think I did a meme feature post last year and I may have featured those. And like, it, yeah. it, it's one of those where you're like, wow, they keep bringing this back. Like the first time we saw this, we're like, this is a joke. I'm like, they'll certainly not do this again. Nope. Nope. They committed. They paid the construction company to do it. It was a factor in the men's race. I was going to say though, it was a decisive meme feature. Like it was the, so like, how do you guys feel, Michael, about the Sir Mix-a-Lot, I mean, <laughs> Baby Got Back butts being the, that's wild, the decisive feature. So it's a joke feature, like, but it was decisive. In the men's race. Uh, that's where Ailey won the race, by riding the butts. He rode the butts. Did he, sorry, did he ride the, the middle or the side? Because I know in the earlier. Straight down the, straight down the crack. <laughs> oh, God. I, uh, this race needs a tissue sponsor well, but it was oh like, my god they probably have but one. it was like right a really interesting moment of, of cyclocross and like all the little things about the sport because Yoris was with him they both pitted and did you guys ca- I didn't catch what happened but Yoris like fell off his bike after remounting he just like fell off his bike and so he had to run he had to run the butts and Ailey was still on his bike and he was able to open a pretty significant gap by staying on his bike. So it's like one of those where it's like, it was the right moment to make the the perfect moments for a mistake to happen and for Ailey to capitalize on it. So Trek had the late pit, right? They were near the end. So they were all riding. I think this is right. They were riding through the pits and then he was still right. Otherwise, Eurus always was riding the whole pit lane. Ailey was running most of the pit lane. I think he picked up his bike earlier, was getting it on his shoulder, and then just continued to run. So that was the difference. And then, so that last time yours came through there, was always committed to riding through the pit and just, yeah, just slipped off his bike. I don't know, he got like hosed down too much or something, or they used too much soap in the, uh, in the, with the power washer and just slid off, got back on. And I don't know, you know, if they were racing for the moguls before that, but 
it's it's the type of thing that we're we always talk about. If you're first and you screw up, it's okay because the person behind you can't do anything about it on that feature. If you're stuck, you know, if yours is first and he can't ride it, then Ailey's getting off his bike because there's really going left or right, you know, you can do it, but it's not faster. Nobody, the only time that that was an advantage was if you were racing against 40 other people on that first or second lap. After that, it was, it was, it was going down the middle. And once he was behind, that was it. And it was like three, four second gap there. And Ailey just, you know, was able to take advantage from there and, and, and take the win. So I'm, I'm in favor. I'm in favor of the moguls. I say, um, I say, keep them in because now they're, they're, you know, they're decisive. You got to play it right. You got to think about it. Wow. Man, shouldn't have gone for that group ride. Um, It's funny, though. You say that watching this finish here in the highlights, and he is running more in the pit, but he's also riding a section that yours is running, and he made a comment, I think, before this weekend about how he's like, yeah, in these conditions, like I am smaller, and I have to ride things longer than everybody else. He's in my step is, you know, they take one step and I have to take one and a half steps equal their step. And it's interesting to think about how size plays in to your tactics. You know, when we get to Dendermondo, there was an amazing clip today of Lauren Sweck just kind of flex. Lauren Sweck, who we've pretty much talked about, hates running, who was just off his bike running for the longest time. I think it was with Lars. Lars is riding, and he's just like running next to him like, hey, buddy, what's going on? How are you doing today? How's that bike working for you? And just like jogging next to him. Like they're going the same speed. Lars is chugging away at like, you know, We'll talk about it at like 4,000 watts. And uh, and Lawrence is just like, yeah, man, cool day for bike race. So we talked about, we're talking about the men's race now. So I think, I think it's, well, maybe we'll talk about this with Dendermonda, but I just, you know, you've got Ellie and Yoris uh, at the front of the race. So we have a Sasa Lions. We have another Lions, right? Right now, I mean, Where's Tebow? I don't even know. Is he, was Tebow he, in the race? That was part of the controversy. He was. Tebow was in the race. That is part of what led to World Cup gate. Well, I, questionable. I, I, if you ask the, the 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 Lions crew if Tebow was in the race, they they may not they may not uh, answer in the affirmative because there was a certain point in the race where they didn't think he was in the race and just left him hanging in the pits. Like this is this is the boss's son. The, the, you know, a, a guy who's winning races, a guy who is like one of the top now or future cyclists in the world who pulls into the pit and it's like you're, it, it, it's, it's basically like you as a cat five when you have a pit bike and you have to go get it yourself. That's what he would have had to do, except there wasn't even a bike there for him to pick up. There wasn't a person there with a bike. There wasn't a bike. It, it, maybe he could have gone and like, changed wheels or something on his own, but he just stood there for a couple seconds, gave a little shrug, looked around, shook his head, and then just left the pits with the same bike. Bill, are you saying that uh, there might be two openings for mechanics? Uh, I mean, you can't, you, look, you can't fire your, your uncle just like that. That's true. <laughs> I mean, although I have to, have to say, you know, we were discussing this before the show. I think both Bill and I declared Tebow the uh, top cyclocross racer. Did we jinx it? Is there a media pit jinx, or does Fembenemple kind of prove the 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 contrary? To, did we jinx Tebow Ness? 
let's see who you guys pick this week, and then we'll go and see how that that pans out next week. Um, I just want to say, like, foreshadowing to Sunday is that, you know, we have Yoris, another line. Lions are putting men up there in the front of the race, multiple weapons. We've talked about this before. Uh, this time, Ellie comes out on top, hits his third super prestige in a row. He also mentioned that he is possibly going to go for all three classifications that, I mean, I don't know that he hasn't done, tried that in the past, but uh, he's off to a good start here. Well, bold, bold prediction after all of the Lions are like, we're skipping the World Cups. Right, exactly. No, I know that that's sort of like, he's like, hey, all right, well, maybe I'm okay with the World Cup now if you guys are all leaving. Um, But we should go over to the women's race. I think it's worth mentioning, of course, Celine, it's a big dub. Um, when? I mean, when are we going to get an interesting women's race? <laughs> it was like we were kind of excited because we had the best of the rest. But it's Michael, it's kind of clear that uh, per your stats and uh, comments that you've made that we might have an, an idea of who the best of the rest is right now. Yeah, our proclamation might be 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 written up right now as as we speak to uh, prepare a statement can can I pull a a Bodhi real quick? Yeah, and and just uh, mention Felipe Orts before we move yes. on from 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 the men's race, since this is his best kind of Belgian result ever. Uh, I looked it up. It's his it's his best finish in a Belgian classification race. Yeah. So X two O Super Siege, uh, and yeah. Fantastic finish. Third place. You know, I mean, it, it, he's a guy that we've been watching, it seems like, forever. And, um, you know, second place in 2017 U23 World Championships. I think that's where we first kind of like he came onto our, our radar and uh, just has always kind of been knocking at the door. But a result like this and just he just looked clean the whole race. I mean, he looked really, really good, really solid. So I think worth Worth the shout out. Um, and now we can get back to the women, Zach. Let's do some trivia. So Ooh, we okay. did have a nice little uh, interesting, you know, I think one of the favorites for that U23 race in 2017 was one Ailey Ezerbeet. And he raced kind of poorly in Bellas. Uh, we know that Yoris won and that Felipe was second. Who finished third? 2017. Where, where was it? Uh, uh, Bellis in Luxembourg. U23 men's race, third place. Who was missing? Who was missing from this uh, perfect repeat? There's no way that anyone's going to get this because I had to look it up. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to, trying to think who that same age is. Kevin Kuhn. I think he's younger. Lander Locks. I mean, that is actually a great guess. Uh, it was Sieben Wouters. Oh, okay. Fourth place. This was a weak class. This was a weak class. Fourth place, Tisertz. Fifth place, Nicholas Kleppa, who I think is out of the game. I mean, Quentin Ermond's in ninth, and like Ailey Ezerbeet in 17th are probably your two most successful riders out well, of that. That must have been first year. If he's in the same U23 with Orts, that must have been Ezerbeet's first year. Uh, he was 20. I think it was his second year. Cause he second had, year. Okay. And he had won. I think he – maybe not. I don't know. But anyway, um, yeah. 
interesting little interesting little trivia. So not not the strongest U twenty three class uh, in that in that race. Top ranked American that race. Uh oh man, take a Logan guess. Owen, Spencer Petrov. Oh okay, yeah, Lancey Pants was there. Gage was there. Max Chance. Max Chance. If you want yeah. that single I, speed worlds uh, connection, I was, like, was going to say is every name that you just mentioned were all of them at the single speed world championships. This I weekend. think so. <laughs> Gage. Maybe not. Gage maybe with not his Spencer. new hair. Gage with his new hair and his his hair and beard. He's like, ah, I'm a single speed guy now, which I'd be totally I okay see seeing. Yeah, he could fly his plane out there and do a little racing. Uh, yeah. So the uh, elite women, uh, Marie Shriver. Getting getting that sponsor time, making moves early on, but uh, it just but seemed like then, primetime was just waiting. Primetime is like, I will gladly accept this fast start out of you, because then when the opportunity presented itself, she just attacked, and it was like, oh, well, that was, that was a fun race. That well, was- what happened was Marie Schreiber, they came out of the pit and shoulder-checked the light pole. <laughs> pretty hard and that i mean i think the gap was opening celine was hitting it hard and she probably would have dropped her eventually but that sort of solidified that gap and then yeah she was gone that's what Um, i'm like for me like just this race the the conditions and i i hate this because like i think the conditions cleaned up for the men's race but there were just so many moments of like the steep run up there was uh anna Kay, i think got stuck in the mud emory worst fell in the mud it just like there were a lot of moments like that because it was just so sloppy it was you know it was like a course only the most dedicated like cyclocross person uh, couldn't could enjoy. Um, but yeah, it just felt like there were a lot of moments like that in this well, race. Well, it, it was also it was the uh, it was the time where the men were extremely happy that they were racing second because they were watching. And the women were like, "We're not running down stuff. We're not. We're not that's save that for the men. We're riding this shit." That is true. And, so they're, yeah, they were. They and were they did. All, yeah, I don't. I don't think anybody ran down that, and and um, it, it it didn't go well uh, uh, many times. And I think that's it. This is because this is this was the problem, and, and Michael was alluding to it uh, with the uh, movie reference that for me is uh, too new of a movie, so I didn't. I never saw it. Um, Come <laughs> on. Come on. The never-ending story. Never saw it. Is. Too new of a movie. Old. I was too old. Uh, so <laughs> okay, Princess Bride and the uh, Prince Three Bride. Swamp Terrors. That, 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 I'm, I'm all there. I'm all there for okay. that. Okay, I got you okay. there. Uh, but you know, there's that rule in cycling, right? That we all learn about never riding through something that you can't a puddle that you can't <laughs> see the bottom of. Like those rules just go out the door. Like it's a, like you may you if you're gonna do that, it's a DNS. Like you can't even start because yeah. everything out there you have to ride through because there's no other way to go. And a lot of the times they were just getting stuck. You know, these puddles had like curbs at the other end of them or something. <laughs> There were there were a couple and some that were maybe in a little more innocuous because like one rider would go in and fall over uh, both races. I think it was in the men's race that I remember this happening. But then the next person goes in six inches to the right and like they're fine. It's like, how do you know where you're going to hit on these like bottomless potholes of like that are gonna, just going to send you into who knows where? Well, oh, and that was the thing. You know, we were talking about the the moguls in the men's race. The other thing, the men's, like, I was talking about Felipe Ortz. This was like he had like this magical navigation system. Like he was riding that hill that a lot of people were crashing on, and he would just like float halfway through it and then and then get off. Like he was getting a, a good 10, 
10 meters farther than anyone else on that. So that, I think that, that may have actually helped him keep his, keep his position in there. But here's, here's my question for you all. So Alvarado is just crushing it, right? But she's doing it with the two kids when the two kids don't race, Fem and Puck. I, the, the obvious thing I want to do is to kind of call her the Ailey Ezerbeat of women's racing. However, I feel like that is unfair if you have rainbow stripes on your yeah. sleeve. I was going to say, yeah, if you're for, you're a former world champ. Sorry, Ellie. Is she we the like Tom Pidcock? But... Oh, okay. There's a comp. I, you, I mean, I was just thinking of uh, Rainbow Stripes, right? I, yeah. If that's yeah. Your, so he if that's won a world championship, and yet he still can't win when the two old men show up. Yeah, I like it. Okay. So that's fair. I think that's better. I mean, oh, I think also, that's... also, it's a good comp because, you know, one of the things remarkable about this race is Celine, the, Celine was very fast runner. Super fast. Just running like Oh, and Pitcock does four-minute miles. Yes. Exactly. Yes, thank you. Man, that's kind of I mean, hard because there's only three elite men still racing who have won elite world championships, right? Like, right? It's just Wout Machu and Tom, and <laughs> none of them are racing. Yeah. Because huh. they've had a monopoly on it for the last decade with the, the Tom Pitcock interspersed in there. And how many women? So you've got Femme. Femme, Brand. Brand, Alvarado. Sonicant. And Voss. And I mean, who knows if Pauline comes back? True. Could, yeah. So, twice as many about. That's interesting to think about. But like, it's kind of I mean, fuzzy. Is... Those la- I was putting up fingers, and the last two fingers are kind of fuzzy. <laughs> <laughs> like, they might still be racing. So, uh, speaking speaking of, um, well, it, it sort of tipped the hand right there, but uh, to do my, um, I don't know if it's getting old or not, but I'm going to keep doing it bit. But the first, uh, the first non red, white, and blue flag. Fifth place coincides with the sauna watch, which we happen to bring back for this episode. I was waiting for this all weekend. Give me the sauna watch. Give it to me. Hook it up to my veins. (laughs) I never. What do you want from the sauna watch, Zach? You want the you want the you want like a trending or do you want position? You know, I don't even know. I'm just excited that we can mention her that we're like. We noticed that we observed that she participated in a race <laughs> and she did quite well. Like there was a result that like we can count on one hand, one hand, one hand. We can count the, the result on that one hand. Um, I just good to have it back. We're talking about Sana Khan. Yeah. Fifth place. Brace uh, Bill, as you said, kind of seemed to suit her. These kind of she's she's the uh, the. The matron of the Peloton at the ripe old age of 33, and uh, she got fifth. You know what? A lot of top tens so far this year. I think the the, the watch is trending up. I have a question. Sana didn't race Worlds last year? She didn't? I don't think so. Wow. It looks like her season ended January 14th. Like, she won... Belgian national yeah. champions and ships and shut it down. Because she also didn't. Did she go to? Oh, she did go to Fayetteville. I couldn't remember. Okay, she did. Yeah, yeah. No, I was just looking to see like wh- when the last time she got these results. She, I mean, that's the thing. She's she's always 
kind of she's getting them every once in a while through there. Like for instance, last year at this race, um, Neil, she was uh, fifth place. So this is her race. <laughs> this, is this, is her, <laughs> this is her WAP race. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you look at she's a handful. She's also of she's a, she's a mutter, and that's the, that's the, that's what she's yeah. always been able to do. Obviously, she's got a lot of power. Plus, she's got the skills. So these are the type of races that I think she's always going to be able to excel in. I think even if you even if you have everyone there, I still think she's able to kind of put in a dig near the front, just because it's not like it's just not super fast power race it's just it's a slog and she's 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 good for a slog yeah and i think we've seen that historically with older riders that if it's the the muddy races towards the end of the season they can do super well it's just like maintaining that speed it's a different right the speed and quickness versus the i have lots of muscle memory with many 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 thousands of miles in these legs yeah and, and I am just, you know, like we talked about before I record, just as a, as a PSA and a reminder, uh, Sane Khan, uh, being old is 33 years old, which is one year, uh, younger than Lucinda Brand, three years older than Denise Betsema and Magali Rochette. So, and, and we were talking about this and, and I think one of the reasons that it seems kind of out of whack with those other riders is that we were looking back at her results and her UCI results go back 20 years. She's 33 years old and her UCI results go back 20 years. That math doesn't seem like it should work out, except if you look at her first elite race, which what did she end up place Bodie? She placed at the age of 14 she placed 12th yeah 12th place uh, that was the that was sort of the reveal there 14 years old she started racing and kind of like meteoric rise from there in belgian cyclocross because uh there weren't a whole lot of other women really performing at the top from from belgium so yeah 33 years old still you know still able to do it not exactly ancient yet 20 year career already it's just i i don't know it's it's kind of mind-boggling okay so this is a i'm just looking at sonic Con's result page 14 time national champion we might have done this last year but the trivia question is sonic Con won her first belgian national championships in 2010 she got second in 2009. Who was the Belgian national champion in 2009? I just looked it up, so <laughs> I'm not going to answer. No, I think you should answer. It's uh, Joyce Vanderbecken. Yeah. Who so, I only remember because she used to race in China. I think she might have won some of those Chinese races at one time. Um, yeah, and, and the year before that, Lowell Sells, two years in a row. Low Cells was also in that uh, race when she was, when uh, Sane was 14. Man, Los was like 19. (laughs) I, you know what, you know, Marty always does the, the, if you're new to cyclocross thing. And uh, I would just be curious to hear from any listeners who are new enough to cyclocross that are like, why are you talking about Sane Kant? Because I think it just, for those of us who've been around, like she was 
when she won world, like there was two years there where she was like unbeatable. I mean, when she was winning world championships and I thirst the third one, she had her moments and was like pure guts when she won uh, in Bowensa. But I don't know. I'd just be interested to hear like you guys are like, why are we talking about Sonicot? And I think like you just forget that like she was on the ascendancy for so long and then she beat Mariana Voss and it just was so good. She was so good for a couple of years. And I, I, I don't know. Be interesting to hear. Uh, I, I see Michael's eyes flicking back and forth. Can you give me a give me a give me a streak in there somewhere? Yeah, I was just. <laughs> you know um, we've been doing this. We've I, been doing this a while now. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. I think is her biggest streak. That was fourteen, fifteen. Because um, I was thinking that Sana was not a super streaky rider. A lot of just like one and then two, you know, very always on the podium, but would like win every other week, except for this year where she had a streak of 11, then a streak of seven. Um, I think that was kind of her peak. All right. Should we, should we get back to this, uh, Neil? Yeah. Where are we? Race. Well, I, I think it's, it's interesting, you know, after Alvarado, we're, we're getting new names out here. It's going to be interesting to see if we keep, hearing these same new names or if these names change like any Van Alphen, it seems like would this be a breakout year for Van Alphen? I was I was thinking so seeing her her second place I didn't do any deeper dive on her results I remember when she won a race at the beginning of the year uh, a few years ago and that and she was bunny hopping the bears and that seemed like a big one but I mean she's her worst finish was today at Dendermonda. I mean, every other result except for two have been a wide angle podium. So, I mean, she's been, albeit some of those were in the, uh, you know, kind of like the Lauren Verdon shot honorary vagabond races across Europe, but it seems like she's stacking some good results and she's only 24. You know, we, I remember we talked about her in 2020 during the pandemic. I think she won a race and, God, that was like what four, three, four years ago. She was, you know, she's just still very young. So it seems like there's the potential to kind of like start stacking some results. Although she was not, I guess, this weekend able to follow up a second place with a, you know, a result uh, for that that thing we're looking for of the consistency, uh, you know, that we're looking for to be like, oh, this is a rider that you know can do this consistently. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Anything else worth noting? Magli Rochette went down pretty, pretty hard there. Did the, did the splits on that when I was talking about that kind of that, um, peak where I'd only had about six or eight inches to ride on top of. She slid down there, uh, lost some time, ended up, um, 13th, which was kind of her theme for the, for the weekend. Same result at Dendermonda, which should we, um, flip the page and head on over there? It's our favorite race. <laughs> the best race. Well, hey, look. The first year that Dendermonda happened, it literally was field racing in a field with nothing. Oh, there nothing. was water. There was water. Well, there was water. but There, there were was... <laughs> ponds of water. It was just riding around in the field, and 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 the big. It was more of a running race, uh, running around in the field. You're right, but and and the big the big feature that they were were kind of counting on for their elevation change was this monster, uh, multi tiered flyover that they constructed and was there in the venue, but it had like iced over and it was too dangerous to use, so they cut it out. 
You know what, though? I, I will say this, that like Dendermana, hate on it if you want. You know, they caught a bad rap because their first one was during the pandemic. The second one was during that period when they shut down. They didn't let spectators in at the end of 2021. 2022, they took off. You know what? This is Dendermanda, if it's anything, is an homage. It not, homage isn't the right word. It is a testament to persistence. The sauce right. boss is looked around, found this venue, everyone made fun of his venue, everyone made fun of his venue another year, and the sauce boss <laughs> said, you know what? I am putting on a race here. And not only that, I'm going to construct some features. Uh, I'll build some stairs. I'll build a completely pointless downhill <laughs> sandpit, you know, for no reason. Uh, and then I'll build... <laughs> he's like recycling features from other races he's like yeah you know what it's like zonhoven that rules i do a downhill sand pit but it's only going to be like 14 feet long <laughs> Azencross, lohenhout they got some sick moguls i'll build some of those with no flow <laughs> you know like kudos to the man for his persistence <laughs> Sorry, Bodie's cracking up. I'm, I'm I'm dying. I'm just thinking about someone just like taking it, taking it in the teeth from everybody and being and persisting, and and yet he persisted. Guys, guys, do you know how there are two different kind of flyovers? They're like the flyovers that you ride up one side and then you ride down the other side. And then there's this completely different kind of flyover where you dismount and you run up steps on one side and then you ride down the other sides. Listen to this. Are you sitting now? Listen to this. What if, what if you could do both of those in one flyover? You could... Ride up half the flyover, get off your bike, still on the flyover, run up the second half of the flyover, and then ride down the other half. I'm just waiting until next year when you get halfway down there and you have to dismount and run down steps. <laughs> That's going to be the ultimate. You can, ha- you can have that one for free, Dendermonda. Oh. <laughs> Dendermonda. Oh, my God. I don't know how to, I can't really, um, I can't really top that, except for the fact that Lucinda Brand won the last two Dendermanas. Second place, the last two Dendermanas, Clara Hansinger. Uh, and this was Lucinda Brand's debut back to racing after an injury, a sort of end of the road season. So, spoiler alert, Brand finished second. So, I don't know. There's something there. I'm, I'm seeing a thread. Zach, historically, and we, we have joined him, has talked about early season Lucinda Brand and how how there is not there are no other riders out there who need reps more than Lucinda Brand. <laughs> would, you agree, would you agree <laughs> that she is still following that same model? Yeah, I mean, she still looked pretty good, though. I was impressed by her start. You know, I mean, I think, like, with the kids these days, they're the ones starting fast, and she got off to a good start. But, yeah, definitely needs some time to to get used to the bike and, and ride back into things. But she's a quick learner. I mean, you know, we've talked about other riders finishing fourth, fifth, sixth in their first race back. And we're like, kudos to you. So, you know what? I mean, that's a great result. I'm optimistic about it. But, yeah, I think, yeah, she's, you know, take some time. Needs those reps. Can't just... uh 
hop from one bike to the next like some of the other riders. So we had Alvarado up there. We had Lucinda Brand up there. If we had Worst up there, what year are we? Is that like 20? It's 19. 19? Yeah. That was the big three, right? That was the big three. Yeah. It's, yeah. And it's amazing. And Worst, real, it, where is, like, she had 14th um, behind Magli Rochette, another 13th. So, yeah, it's it's kind of insane to think about that, how things change so quickly. And when talking about SonicCon earlier, how it seemed for us, how it just seemed to completely shift her scene sort of being the dominant rider to then just not being there. Um, and yeah, the, these these new riders coming up. I mean, Zoe Backstead, third place, like great finish. Here's what I'll say about Dendermond. And, and yes, it, it wasn't. I, I I am in the in the uh, on the side of we need all different kinds of cyclocross courses and fields out there. So I'm all for it. It's it's fine. It's fine what it is. But what it is, is a power test. There, there's nothing really technical out here where you're going to be testing your cyclocross skills, albeit pedaling really hard is a skill. Other than that, there's no turning, there's no cornering, there's no finesse. There's, there, there's really nothing else out there. It's more who can push the pedals harder for the longest that is going to win this. And 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 you can see the the riders who are really good at that. I mean, Alvarado is good at anything at this point right now. She's just she's she's on a heater. She is just just going to be at the top of any race. So, I think her she is a powerful rider, but at the same time she can just do whatever the heck she wants and she's going to do well. Lucinda Brand, we know, is one of the most powerful riders out there. That's why she excels at Dendermana. Zoe Back said proving she is as well. Super powerful, great result for her, highest finish in a World Cup. Obviously, she's only 19, so Elite World Cups probably um, you know, still has some to go. I, I think same with Norbert Riberol, powerful rider, man and backer we've seen before, powerful rider. My thing with this race is it's almost Oh, this is going to hit home for you, Zach. This is almost the Zwift racing of cyclocross. If you want, if you wanted a Zwift comp, in that it's just going to be a watts contest. It's going to be get up there, put down the most watts. We could just line up like erg machines next to each other and see who put out the most watts for the longest times, and that's going to be that's going to be your your results. So I knew that's where you were going. So I appreciate that. Uh... Interesting. I mean, I think that you could make the argument at the 2020 edition, everyone who participated in that race would have been more than happy to just have that race be raced on Swift. You'd be like, you know what? Like, let's just put a bunch of trainers underneath that. They had the gas station that was next to it. Like, let's just uh, let's just do that. Uh, so, I mean, so are you saying you don't you don't feel because we talk about this, that there's like sand courses and there's like grass courses and whatever like are you saying this doesn't have a place or are you just saying it it doesn't no, have a place I, so you're just not interested i i mean that was some hyperbole thrown in there i i, I think it has a place but i think what it is and i i and i as a uh a larger person i think i i always appreciate when you know those when the 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 abilities that you're able to have as a more powerful person should be rewarded somewhere. And in cycling, they're usually not unless you're on the track. 
so or a time trialist. So this is this is cool. This is kind of like the time trialist cyclocross race. So I, I think there is a place for it. I think it's I think it's fun to make fun of it just because you know the the sauce boss to his credit is I, I think fine with being the villain the North American villain of cyclocross and we're happy to portray him as such uh it's his course it's it's fun to kind of dog on but at the same time yeah I think there's a I think there's a place for it I, I do think there's a place for it and I do think that the the racing today and kind of like a clock watching um uh, seeing if people could close down gaps, it was it was fine. You know, I watched all I watched both of the races. I I didn't like fast forward while I was watching them live, but I didn't like I wasn't like surfing the internet during it too. I paid attention, so it was fine racing. It's just different and not that technical. So, Bill, you called attention to this, and you know we've been talking about flag colors and stuff, and you had that river roll up in fourth place, and you were asking the question of Are we seeing the end of Dutch dominance? So let's look at the junior race, two of your three podium positions in the junior women's race. And I love this name, Chanel de Shoe Sitter. That's a shoe star. I, pr- I appreciate hey. the, the shoe sitter. i curious where that name comes from. I appreciate it, though. And a sauna. We've got a new sauna. I want to know. I, I want to talk to the Lorisons and ask them. Ask them. What was the what was the inspiration for their daughter's name, who now finished third in a cyclocross World Cup at the age of sixteen? I love it. So we're looking at six of the top ten junior women are Belgian. You know, fourth through sixth, we're all Dutch, but you know, pretty good. We we go over to the elite women's race. You know, we're used to literally. Did we had races where it was top ten? We're all Dutch, right? I, I think maybe we pulled that off at one point, or we got darn near close. I mean, you had three Dutch in the uh, the top five, but you only had four total Dutch riders in the top ten. So my question to our guy Jan for this week is, when is the last time did we have four or fewer Dutch women in the top ten? Ooh, I like it. Interesting. I thought you were going to go the other way because I was, I was going to be like, okay, even if we have the two default Dutch positions that we know would be filled in there, should we still be alarmed about the downfall of women's <laughs> Dutch racing and cyclocross? I can't even say it with a straight face. So if we bumped everyone down, so that would put like Verdun shot in 10th, but you'd still be yeah. talking six Dutch. I mean, six Dutch is still not that many Dutch. Like, <laughs> We're used to a lot more Dutches, like in the in the top ten, and you know I think Zoe Backstead, like you know the the, the Brits are certainly contributing to that, but uh, Christina Zemanova also great result. So I'm be curious to see, especially I, I think it's interesting, and I'm curious what's going on with that junior category because it just seems like in the past, if maybe some of these investments in in Belgian riding, naming your kids after the greatest Belgian female cyclocross racer of all time is starting to pay off. But it certainly caught my attention to see two out of the three podium positions in that junior women race be Belgies. Yeah, well, and it, it's also, if you look at that top 10 with four Belgians in the top 10, that, you know, there were years where we'd see one that the aforementioned Sonic Khan and that that would be it but it's not like 
any of these are new Dutch, new Belgian riders, right? You got Alicia Frank, who's been around for a minute. Laura Verdonshot, who's been around for a minute. Uh, Marion Norbert Riberal, who literally has been around for two minutes as a Belgian. Or what is this her like her third year? I think it's like yeah, she's it's it's been a minute now. Okay, uh, third yeah, or fourth year, former French, a, yeah. Yeah, but like I guess the 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 but you look at like eleven through fifteenth, Leonie Benfeld, a rider that we expected to maybe be finishing higher. I mean, she's the same age as Zoe Backstead, and Zoe Backstead's doing pretty good. But you know, Amory Worst been injured, don't really know what's happening, and I think you know she's getting to the point where she's getting old. Like, and I just don't think she's had the results, and she's dealt with all these injuries. Like, is she going to be good again? You know, Betsema is really struggling. She was hurt. She's thirty. Is she going to be back? You know, it's it's tougher to like recover and become good again. And so I think maybe of some of these like other riders that we're used to seeing, there's there's opportunities available as well. So it seems like some of that top 10 filler riders are really not racing well. And con- conversely, other riders like Zemanova, like uh, Zoe Backstead, like Marie Schreiber are stepping up and really taking advantage of this opportunity to to make a name for themselves. I feel like some of that is has to do just also with Dendermonda and the the way the course is just has is such a slog fest and that we've seen that change that dynamic and and how people show up and uh, you know worst got third at Neil the day before and you know Benfield maybe as a younger rider needs a faster course you know she's a she's a she's a dry fast rider so um, yeah I don't know yeah so we had five like. duchies although they were the top four but five duchies in the top 10 at Neil. So maybe I'm overreacting. That's what we do. Okay. What we're supposed to do. Great. And we, we also had a, a run from 18 to 22nd of, of five kind of younger uh, Belgian riders. And uh, yeah, uh, not too far below them, uh, Emily Shields in, in 25th place. Should we move on over to the men's race? Let's do it. Where should we start with this one? We, uh, I, Michael, you were talking about the 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 Creelan pair. So they they kind of had a yeah. They they had well, a plan at the beginning of this race. Well, yeah. So to to go back to Neil, we had Yoris at the front, and at this in this race we have you know Pim, who who comes out of the top line. So once again, I think. I'll just for for Zach. I'll say that a statement is being made by the Lions that they are bringing men to the race to win. Multiple options. The sauces are stuck with the Ellie right now because Vanter now is he got up for he got up for Euros, but then he's like got a bug. He's DNFing. He's out. He's not starting. Um, Ryan Camp tried. In the very beginning, we saw Ryan Camp there in the beginning trying to fulfill that role, um, but did he quickly faded? And then we had we had the Creelan team. Yeah, we had a uh, Toon Vandenbosch, former Sauce, um, not Pitt, where everyone else did, and he got a gap, and he was sort of the first one, the rabbit that the other teams had decided to chase. And our man Sweek went up there, and I don't know, is one of those situations where like is he chasing down his teammate? There's probably a big enough gap that he can do it, but we had a situation where Toon was out the front, Sweek was chasing, and then it was up to the Lions, the Sauce, to try to close that down. Um, and that's how the that's how the race started. 
This is the story. That's how the story was opened up. Yeah, it was an interesting dynamic. I mean, I thought <clears throat> for a hot second, it seemed like Toon Vandebosch was flying. And I was like, oh, that's magnanimous of, of Lauren Sweck to let his teammate kind of go for it. And maybe he'll be able to do something with this because some of the other riders weren't in a good position. You know, Lars was way back. Uh, there was only right the one line up there or whatever. Um, so they were, I was like, yeah. So I think that uh, Vandebosch, I think would seem like he was in a, a good position and I don't know. I, I, I thought it, you know, it was like, is, is Lawrence tired, but then Vandebosch is kind of like time off the front, just kind of dissipated pretty quickly. So it didn't really last very long. And, you know, you're like, Oh, is something special happening here? Right. Cause they're talking about his best finish in a world cup was eighth. Uh, so even finishing on the podium would be, um, you know, kind of uh, a good day for him or finishing even top five would have been a good day for him. That kind of like it kind of dissipated. And then Pim Ramhar stepped up. Uh, but really, I, yeah, I, Bill, I, I thought it was interesting. You said you were talking about this. You definitely have uh, you've coined a term, the ultimate day. But it was kind of interesting where you had someone coming up from fourth uh, to kind of help out because you had one PIM versus two. What is Creel? What kind of what is Creelon? I I they've been sponsored for so I don't even know what they do. Do, do wh- are they a bank? I think they might be a bank. Okay, so we had really? two bankers and one <laughs> lion, uh, and you know the lion kind of lonely up there needs a needs a second guy. I've heard there's a guy who's really good at this kind of thing. Um, he comes up and Pim's already gone. Uh, it just seemed like Pim was the the strongest man by far in this race. Well, and he he used the 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 Vandebosch gambit, right? It it was I think this was I think it was pit two. Was it pit two or pit? I I I got confused on which which pit it was. There was only one pit that they were changing bikes at, and it was. The the non-pit lane was just mud. However, as much as we're giving Dendermont a hard time for being this like super muddy race, it wasn't like it was it, it, it took a lot of watts to ride, but there were enough opportunities, I think, for the bikes to get cleaned off that it wasn't mandatory to take a bike every lap. And they definitely weren't, nobody was changing half laps. Most were changing every lap, but you could skip going into the pits. And that's what Pim did. And that, that, that pit that they were, that uh, Tone did it at and that Pim did it at, it was basically, if you're able to put down like some just ungodly amount of Watts for about a minute and get through that pit area, you could get a gap on this course. That that was kind of the gamble that Pim took. He kind of went all in this one time through. Everybody else pitted. He went straight through, and he got like this four or five second gap, and then he just kept going. And he was able to basically maintain that, and this is where it came into like when I was comparing it to just kind of like an erg workout, and he just kind of time trialed from there and was the rabbit and it was just like up to everybody else to try to chase him down but it was you know i don't know if it was a calculated move or not but it was just like that one time through the pits that he was able to just keep chugging along and that's that's what did it and then everybody else just um was looking around at each other to to see who was going to chase him down if they could and you know spoiler nobody was able to 
man, we are actually like close enough to like releasing this. We're in like spoiler territory. Although I don't know why you would listen to the podcast with, you know, about the races before you watch the races. Yeah, I would. <laughs> I, I jokingly it's, say spoiler. I hope that, you know, there are people that come in that don't know what happened and that's fine. I, I, I actually, we should take that as a compliment. If you, if you watch this or watch this, if you listen to this, not knowing what's happening, good. Hopefully we're doing a good job um, giving you at least some sort of stories and takeaways from it. The other story like, though, which bill you nailed, like this was a true, if we're talking about GC Lars and we're trying to manifest it, this was literally a man wearing the World Cup overall leaders jersey, literally GCing it. I mean, this is what you would see a GC rider do, I assume, in like one of those road races, you know, where you, you get the maximal number of points that you can while still being a good teammate. And there was a lot going on. I think, Bill, you were discussing uh, – I'm going to turn it to you to kind of discuss, like – what our man GC Lars was doing here. It was amazing because he caught up with Tone and Lawrence. He, he was in a group with like Ailey and these other guys, and he finally left them. And he was just sort of group hopping. You know, he got caught up in there. Lars, we were talking about, I was talk, talking about all the, 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 the power folks. Lars is definitely a powerful guy, but he's a smaller guy. But he was like, I can do this too. And he was just kind of like hopping groups and he got up to the chase group and then he's, he's got a decision to make because he's got his teammate up there, his young teammate who's, who's just having the race of his life. He, he, he also has his young teammate out there. This, this is where it came down. This is, I was looking like, this is the perfect GC Lars because this is GC cuss at the Vuelta in a nutshell where his two teammates looked like they were just going to devour him at any chance and take away his grand tour win on, I, I don't know what stage it was where they were, they kind of dropped him and, and left him for dead. And then the next stage it was like, no, 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 we're not going to do that. And Vinegar's just making this point of not attacking. He's back there going, I'm not doing anything. You guys can stop hating me. Everything's cool. You can still love me. Won the Tour de France. Good with it. And this was Lars who chased down and passed Pim at the European Championships a week before. I mean, just like school the poor kid at the at the end of the race to take the last podium so I basically just took the bronze medal out of his hands and went to the podium with it this race he was like it's okay Pim I'm not doing it so he's back there hanging out with Tone and and Lawrence in in second place and there came a point where we're all running and Lars is like so much stronger than these guys that he is running his bike staring down Lawrence staring down to looks at one looks at the other looks behind him at the chase group like are we gonna do something here are we gonna go I'm stuck with you guys what are we going to do work with me here so frustrated and then I think he came through the pits and all the like uh, Bawa's uh, guys started yelling at Lars and he was just like, thank God. It was, you know, you can go. It's okay. Pim's far enough up the, up the mud that you have free reign and go. And Lars was like, out of here. And he, he did it the right way. He like dropped them almost right away. So it wasn't like they could get on his wheel and, you know, he was going to bring anybody back. He basically was just 
making sure that he got second. But yeah, uh, you're right, Zach. It, it was GC Lars to a T. He was playing the perfect teammate. He was out there just controlling the pack. It is amazing, Bill. I literally was checking out that moment, and it is it is it is comical the way he is. And he's, he's running, and he's like he's running with the bike, so he's like kind of spinning with the bike to check out the situation. I've never seen it's because it's in slow motion because they're running, and it's really pronounced what he's doing. Wow, that's that's so good. Go back and watch that, folks. So I think one of the other stories uh of this race was cam mason you know our uh, hero of the the euros and i it was kind of interesting i saw him comment on social media that like you know that race was potentially kind of like this life-changing career-altering uh win for him and really kind of struck with the the bad luck i don't know what happened but uh he was down some spokes he was down some spokes Someone's wheel to start, I think a derailleur went into his back wheel or front wheel, and that's how the spokes broke. Yeah, so he was running from the start, and then you're like, well, that, I I was like, man, kudos to him for not just, like, bailing, but he didn't bail, and he was group hopping, and he he got up there pretty far. He was, he was, he was 40th. He was 40th. He, he destroyed the myth of if you're back of the field in a cyclocross race it's impossible it's race over you're done you can't get to the front before he blew up he was almost in the lead group it was insane it was it was like within two laps he was 11th then he was like sixth and then you know there was like two to go i think and he finally gave up the ghost but that was that was just a nuts performance to get back up there. Wait, was, is that really a myth? That well, you if can't... You're, well, I mean, yeah, isn't that the whole thing? You want to be staged up near the front because only the people at the front have a chance to win a race if you're like third, fourth row back in a grid in cyclocross? Come on, we've been saying that for Oh, yes, yes, you are the Chicago Cross Cup when they use their series standings to stage the regional championships, and then every year they point out that Brian Motter can win a Chicago Cross Cup race off the back row, and everyone's like, that's Brian Motter. But uh, point taken. I was thinking of Wout at Holst in 21 or whatever when he was like 42nd, when he yeah, was it, like when he crashed and came back and finished fourth. It, it takes a special performance to be able to do that. He he basically McCormacked the race. He was like, I'm gonna give you guys a 30 second lead and then I'm gonna start racing. Well, and I think it's exciting that he's a rider that I think everyone is really, you know, he's not a Belgian or a Dutch rider who's doing really well and he's actually racing cyclocross and committed to it. Cough, cough, Tom Pidcock. So I think everyone's really excited to see and it's it's exciting. To see. It was it was awesome to see that he was able to do that and that he was that strong, that he was passing, you know, other riders and riding through people. I mean, look at like. Even guys he ended up beating, you know, he ended up beating Yoris. He ended up being Corny Van Kessel. He ended up beating Felipe Orts. You know, these are all guys who were podiuming and he just motored through them all. So for me, it was really exciting to see him do that. And even though he didn't necessarily have it at the end that he was able to, to pull that off and really be in contention, you were like top five. Sure. Like he could do this. You know, if he had a little bit more juice at the end, could have pulled it off because there's other guys in that. I mean, Ailey was terrible. Like, he was clearly off his game and the opportunity was certain there. If he didn't have to expend so much energy to work back through that, that field. Well, Zach, maybe, maybe Mason was born to race cyclocross. Has he said that yet? 
Can you can you get him to can you get him to say that? Because that would be great. Maybe I'll I'll try I'll try next week. Okay, <laughs> I'll get that I'll get that soundbite. Uh, so here's here's can we go to broadcast corner for a minute? Yes, love to. Okay, you know how a couple of weeks ago we were saying there are no second acts in in American cyclocross, or was it just cyclocross as a whole? <laughs> what did what did we come down? I think on? we were saying that Lars was dispelling the myth that there are no second acts. So it had nothing to remember. Okay, there. Okay, yeah. So Marty was able to dispel the myth that there are no second acts in cyclocross broadcasting because he he got the opportunity to do the rarest of rare things, where on Saturday he had a trek rider who was brought on the team to be a rider of the future. And it was a, a kind of a gamble on Sven's part, as, as he put it, to, to have this rider uh, show him something and show him that he belonged there. And he was building this up, that how much this win would make. He kind of crapped on Indianapolis a couple of times, fair about that's a nice win but you know this would really mean something for Yoris to win this race on Saturday and we got this build up through the whole race and it was great I mean it was it was well done and it it sort of built you up and then Ailey came through and just crapped all over it and beat him on those on on, on the moguls and pulled away and took the win Sunday there's this Trek rider who was brought onto the team and it was kind of a gamble and he was brought in there to, and he needed to prove to Sven that he belonged and he was the type of the rider that could be at the front of these races and take, take the lions into the next generation. And we got this build up through the whole race from Marty and they just kept building and building and it paid off and Pim Ronhard did it and he got that win that he had been looking for and it was amazing and remarkable and and kudos to Marty to be able to be put in that position where he got to do the exact same thing for the exact same th- uh, team for a rider in the exact same position on two days in a row and and able to get it right on the second day so that, that that's my that's my broadcast corner. It just it it worked out. It worked out perfectly on the second try. Mulligan successful. That's what I'm saying. The Lions they got the weapons. Even the announcers are helping out the announcers do their jobs. I was trying to come up with some sort of analogy before with these two. Like like there was I was I was I was trying to figure it out in like a Top Chef restaurant wars type analogy between you know or even like the the final showdown it came down to pim and it came down to yoris and th- this was their separate competitions to see who was going to be top lion and and i think that you know i mean obviously pim won it was a close competition though i'm not sure front of house who who you would give it to i did like pim's um interview i thought he did a really good job but um yeah that's i I still workshopping that but just having that that opportunity there top lion top lion is going to be the next uh the next reality show that they do in belgium (laughs) 
Belgium's next top lion. But he's not even Pim's not even Belgian. Uh, the next top, just the next top. Yeah, but it's a, they're neither of them. Neither of them are Belgian. Neither of them the, are Belgian. Half of the lions. Are yeah. <laughs> Belgium's next next top lion. It's from Netherlands. Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve Dutch. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight Belgians on the lions. The other thing that uh, caught my attention is I, I had forgotten that the the happy fun ball was over there. 24th. Not too bad. Getting, you know, high enough that he was getting shouts, uh, you know, to be noticed and uh, just kind of interesting to to watch him. I think, Bill, in your interview from Pan Am's, he was talking about how he feels that, you know, this racing in Europe is really going to kind of kickstart him. It really seems like Funston is maybe starting to race like the Scott Funston, we expect it. So even though maybe he was a little disappointed with the first half of his season, uh, he's really hoping to ride, no pun intended, um, this block of European racing into to nationals. Um, so yeah, good to see. 24th, not too bad for his first uh, race over there. Everything that we see from Scott Funston when he races in the U.S., I mean, the whole happy fun ball kind of moniker is because he is an aggressive and uh, an assertive and a confident racer. And those are three traits that if you do not have, you're already losing in, in Europe. I, I think that, that Scott is the kind of guy who's not going to let somebody push him out of the way in a start grid or push him out of the way on those, that, that first time through the moguls, he's going to fight for his position and he's going to hold on to it. And he's going to, you know, he's just, he's, He's tough, and he's 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 gonna he's gonna get in there and and do what has to be done to to keep that position. And look at the, you know, we we Marcel Mice and Thomas Main, you know, uh, Ward Hughes, uh, Mies Hendricks. These are all the guys that he's uh, racing around or in front of. These are all like legit cyclocross racers. So yeah, I was I was super impressed, especially just getting off a plane and putting in that performance. It's pretty sweet. Uh, so, you know, one of the, I guess, critics of the current World Cup setup is Ben Lars Vanderhaar, but he is he is leading the World Cup overall. And I'm just taking a look. And uh, you have Lars, Ailey, Pim, Tebow, Yoris. So the Lions, despite all this controversy, because one Lion decided to skip one World Cup... <laughs> The Lions are the top four or five in the overall standings. I feel I feel like World Cup Gate is the new sauce dramedy. You know, the sauce dramedy gave us life in every week for like that in uh, for two seasons. It was just every week we had something to talk about. And now the World Cup. I I, I just feel like some people in charge should not say everything that comes to their mind every time it comes to their mind regarding this issue so let's so what so what was said right it was said that and i didn't realize this position was there it's the it's not it wasn't david or was it dave lapierre the president of the it was. uci it was so he was the one who said he wants to punish the riders for not coming to world cups if they skipped them intentionally that 
They would not be able to do Worlds. Evidently, today we learned that the World Cup is a mandatory series. That it's not like you can just skip a World Cup. You have to do all of them. This is the first I've ever heard this. I, th- I feel like that's a that's a I feel like it's wishful thinking on his part, um, and also not going to happen, right? Because then he's not going to have Wout. He's not going to have Vanderpool. Right. He's not going to have Pitters. Well, that's the thing. There, at- so th- he's saying that if you. And this was directed at the lines. It's directed at Tebow Nice, who was like it's directed at Tebow Ness. He's the only yeah. one. Look at the he's the he skips one race to go to well, a different Lars, race. Lars said that he was going to race, skip the next two. Okay, so but definitely Tebow, and and that's that's what's driving uh, ratings right now, right? You want your superstar. We talked about it with like um, the NBA. It's it's the same thing, you know. They don't want rider uh, players sitting out games. They don't like load management. But the the punishment is ridiculous on so many levels. He, he said that it, he, he may say that if you don't go to the World Cups, you can't race worlds. What does that mean? Where do you draw the line? Are like all of these countries not going to be able to send people because they didn't go to World Cups? Or is it just for teams like UCI registered teams? So does that mean like like Bodie just said? Then Vanderpool can't go, and Wout can't go. They're they're not going to lo- allow them. Pitcock won't be allowed to race in the World Championships. If that's I mean, the Femme punishment, skipped, Fem skipped one. Al Femme, Puck skipped one. Al Sheeran's out. Everybody's Al, out. Like it's it's such a joke <laughs> of a statement. And here's like it's a, it's clown show. And, and, and here's here's the other part of it. At least for Belgians, it's like. The, the World Cup for mountain biking is important because that has a lot to do with who's selected to go to the Olympics, right? It's not the it, – the World Championships are great in mountain biking, but at the end of the day, the goal is the Olympics for every team. It's not anything the UCI does. Th- that's, that is literally a means to an end. They want to do well in those races. They, they love winning those races. It is a great honor to be a world champion but it's in the end of the the day you want to go to the olympics world championships in cyclocross is the biggest race because there are no olympics but in belgium it's really not the biggest race and historically not the biggest race so this is a 2013 quote from Bicycling Magazine, 2013, one decade ago, Thibaut Ness's dad, go look him up if you haven't heard of him. This is what he said in 2013. He said, the, the question was, you've won so many Belgian national championships that it made us wonder if your country's national title is more important to you than the world championship title. And Sven said, yeah, it's sort of true. The competition is just so high. And then the hype around cyclocross here in Belgium is just crazy. For our sponsors and fans, it is almost as important to win the Belgian title as the world title. And then the depth of competition in Belgium in recent years is such that it's almost harder to win the national title than the world title. Which sort of goes in line with my joke last week about about how um, Thibaut kind of sandbagged the the Euro champs because <laughs> he just wanted to be able to wear, to win Belgian nationals. So it's like Lapierre, or uh, I can't pronounce his name. The UCI head is threatening Belgian cyclocross with something that they can sort of take or leave. 
So it's not even that big of a threat. I could see them calling his bluff and being all of them being like shruggy, not going to worlds. <laughs> I I had I had a crazy thought that wouldn't happen, but what if the promoters of the Super Prestige and the X2O said, you know what, UCI, you're fucking with us too much. We're delisting our races from the UCI. We're taking that extra money into prize payout. All you racers, please come to our races and said, what are you going to do about that now, UCI? And I think that would be pretty fun. I think that would be a nice little collective bargaining from the uh, promoters. They had this whole thing where they wanted to globalize cyclocross. That failed miserably, right? <laughs> can we can we say that? That, it's, it, that is a failed experiment. Still, oh, the biggest races are in Belgium. And and now now we're like trying to punish people to, to to try to further the myth that we're going to globalize cyclocross. Cyclocross never gets globalized unless cyclocross is an Olympic sport. Cyclocross should be in the Olympics. It should be in the Summer Olympics because it's not a winter sport, and then it will be globalized. I want to see like Flanders just like pull out of their try to pull out of their contract and have that be the next thing because that's really the problem there's too many races and but flanders wants to do the too many races and you know maybe i, I don't know i it just doesn't i don't i don't know what the end game is it seems like part of why this is amusing me is i really think that ultimately nothing is going to happen because what are they going to do there's really not they, like they don't have any power like you're saying you know and they keep making these threats and they keep making them on a weekly basis and everyone's just like like everyone's just making fun of them they're like okay and this is a terrible idea. And what? Well, yeah, Sven's like, uh, no. <laughs> it's the tour. It wasn't like Tour of the Gila where the uh, some world tour riders like years ago entered and then got fined because it like wasn't a UCI race and they weren't allowed to race non-UCI races. And then later they were like, all right, maybe that's kind of a dumb rule. I remember that. Yeah, we're yeah. kind of we're kind of running into that that territory again. I just, I think there there are solutions out there. I think making these threats are just um, ridiculous, and I'm sure somehow we're going to learn in the next few days how that was taken out of context. I, it reminds me of uh, I, I don't you can be cut the. It reminds me of Elon Musk running Twitter, right? Like. It's it's this problem that they created, Elon created by ruining Twitter, and then it just keeps coming these like asinine solutions to like the, you know that, but like they're not implemented. He just comes up with this idea, and everyone's like, "That's terrible! Why? Why you created this problem, dude? Fix your problem!" And it just reminds me of what the UCI is doing right now, where like, yeah, we created this problem, and here's another terrible idea to fix it, and everyone's like, "Well, that's a terrible idea," and then you're not going to do anything about it. So I don't know. That's just what came to mind. Well, speaking of world championships, wasn't there a world championship this weekend? Of the uh, single speed variety? (laughs) Of the one cog? Rocking the one cog? Bodie, where was Uh, it this year? uh, Shit, Santa Clara? Guys, does single speed rules have close? Santa Cruz. There you go. Uh, So, Bodie, apropos of knowing nothing about this, is this a statement by Tobin after Kerry destroyed him at USA Cycling single speed nationals last year? I don't. I don't think Kerry. Hmm. I don't think Kerry's got any uh, um, uh, USA Cycling single speed champion tattoos on him anywhere. You know, 
is this he had i think he had a usa cycling speedo on today i think i saw a photo of that Bodie, you're not Um, answering my question what's the statement was this a statement by tobin winning worlds over carry winning nationals hell yeah it's a statement mctubbin is back i like it I'm sure he's wearing a, a statement piece while he was cycling as well. I don't know exactly what his costume was, but it looked like everybody was dressed up. See, but here's, again, here's the thing, though. With, again, coming back to a state, and while I'm with Bodie's initial gut reaction here. A statement is not, you can make a statement, but, like, a statement is made to a fellow competitor. And when there's, like, a fellow competitor that, I mean, this was a greatest hit. You had Lancey Pants, you had Carrie, you had Chris Blevins, you had Tobin. Basically, you had everyone who should still be racing cyclocross and making the elite men's field just completely lit in this country. I feel like, you know, there's a lot of history there. There's... That statement is directed towards, you know, fellow uh, other competitors who you have long history with. And that's that's why I just struggle with, like, the only statement that I agree with, Bodhi, was the uh, statement to her sister, because there's a longstanding relationship that it was at someone. <laughs> I wish I could find results. I wish I had that napkin that had the results from this race on it. I just love that this is now part of the podcast where we get to debate what is a statement. It's become my favorite segment. I, I and um, I, I I feel like I don't even need a resolution of this week's uh, statement debate, and 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 we should just end it right here. Uh, I'm going to Europe. I'll be at Troyes and Dublin, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to record uh, next week. And if we do. We'll see y'all then. Otherwise, it's going to be me and Bodie arguing about statements. <laughs> oh my gosh! Half of statements. <laughs> We're going to be like the two the two critics from the from the Muppets, just like arguing with one with one another, and uh, somehow we're going to lose half of our listenership. Stay tuned, Waldorf and Astoria. Stay tuned for that. <laughs>